Hi, everyone. Welcome to CK Unmuted. I'm Cynthia Krylik. I have Ruth Yeiser on the podcast with me today. Ruth is the Outreach Coordinator for Fair Districts PA, a nonpartisan citizens group to stop gerrymandering. Hi, Ruth. Thanks for being here today. Hi. Thank you for having me. So you you volunteered with Fair Districts PA how many years ago? Maybe seven? Not quite that much. I started, well, almost, gee, I started, um, I became aware of Fair Districts PA in 2017. I went to a presentation and um, I was floored by what I learned. I, I was, you know, I I didn't realize there was so much math and manipulation that went into <laughs> drawing our maps. And um, the, the solution to me seemed very simple in terms of this independent um, citizens redistricting commission to draw the maps instead of allowing politicians to draw our maps. So I decided to volunteer thinking, you know, it would be a commitment for a few months and it was an easy fix and the legislature would fix it and then we would vote on a constitutional amendment to fix it and I would move on. And um, and then it turned out, I was pretty naive at the time, it, it has turned out to be a much more um, heavy lift. So, and this doesn't mean that this is only happening, uh, it, the Republicans aren't the only ones guilty of this, right? Not at all. Right. That's absolutely correct. Uh, <laughs> so, it, what, what infuriates you the most about this? I, I think what infuri infuriates me the most about this is that I really do believe that we should get what we vote for and gerrymandering often prevents that from happening it, it, it in, a, in a way it prevents majority rule and i and i have a a problem with that i i really do think and and you're absolutely right that um democrats will gerrymander also when they have the opportunity um and both parties do it so and and that prevents voters from getting what they vote for because they're they're districts are sort of are predetermined by a map and the majority is predetermined by the map instead of being determined by the voters themselves. So we could get a constitutional amendment, um, but that's a, a real uphill slog. Is that right? Yes. In Pennsylvania, it's a very big uphill slog. In Pennsylvania, we don't have what we call citizens ballot initiative where the citizens can initiate a referendum question on the ballot. A constitutional amendment has to come through the legislature. They have to pass it in two consecutive sessions, exactly the same from one session to the next, and then it goes to ballot. And let me interrupt you. Two consecutive sessions means how many years? Well, it would depend a little bit on exactly on when they vote, but a session is two years long. So, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, the 2023, 20, 24 session, and then the 25, 26 session would be the fastest that it could be done. And, and there are other states that have done this to get, and explain this again to me, but if we had a constitutional amendment that would, this would enable a, a, um, a bipartisan citizens panel to uh, draw the maps, is that right? Right, it would actually be tripartisan or even more than that because the citizens commission would have um, the way we have proposed it, the, the Citizens Commission would have four members of whoever has the most registered voters in the state, four members of whoever has the second most, and then there would be three members who were not affiliated with either of those parties. So they could be independent voters or, or a third party. 
So, but the, the what you're aiming for with a, a citizens commission is transparency, strict um, uh, strict rules. What what is it exactly that that it would be? So a citizens commission, yes, very strict transparency. There would have to be um, a certain number of of public hearings, which would be accessible to people both in person and and online. Um, there would be a portal, if you will, where people could submit their ideas, could submit their submit their maps, um, would have lots of opportunity for public comment, where people would be able to see exactly what the commission was up to. Like, you know, they would be subject to the same sunshine laws that other entities are subject to. They couldn't draw the maps behind closed doors. There would be strict criteria that they would have to follow. For example, um, by population, you wouldn't be allowed to split account counties more than X number of times, um, plus what the population requires. Um, they would also have to listen to what people have to say about communities of interest. So the communities of interest, um, which are not political entities, a, a community of interest might be a group of a group of people who identify by um, by language, or maybe there's a, a company um, in the area where you know everybody works at the same company, um, or there's some you know some other issue that would create a community of interest um, where those communities of interest are not just in, intentionally split up. Mm -hmm. And and how is it that these other states and what are the states and how is it that they've achieved this that they've managed a to get a constitutional amendment passed and b to get um, you know better better maps right. So, so there are a number of states that um, that have independent commissions, um, and and different states have commissions that are more independent than others. The ones that are most independent are the ones that have that are not currently completely mired in legal battles right now. Um, but Michigan um, just instituted an independent commission for this last. Um, this last go around, Colorado has one, California has one, um, other states that have them, but you know have been involved in legal battles include um, Utah, Ohio. I'm going to blank out on some of the others, but some of the issues when the independent commission, when the when the laws were written, sometimes if legislators were given a little bit too much say in the process that created um, friction, you know, in the end, if the legislators didn't get, you know, if the legislators didn't get what they wanted, that seemed to lead to a variety of problems in different states. Who controls this? I mean, I was blown away by the fact that there's really only three people um, that are that are really making a lot of the, the decisions here. It's not the rank and, rank and file legislators. Right. It's the speaker, the um, go ahead and, and talk a little bit about how difficult it might be and why is that? Right. So in our state, in our state legislature, in our general assembly, we have we have rules that do make it very difficult for rank and file members to get their bills to a vote. If um, you have a committee chair, so then the committee chair decides what bills come up for a vote in committee. And if a bill doesn't get reported out of committee, it never gets to the floor. So 
the first hurdle that a bill has to cross after it's been introduced is the committee chair has to be willing to bring it to a vote in committee. Our bill in 2018 had 110 co-sponsors in the House, which is more than a majority. And, you know, it had Republicans, Democrats. It was it was a very bipartisan bill. And the committee chair at the time had no interest in redistricting reform. And he refused to bring our bill to a vote. And then when they were, um, there is something called the discharge petition, which I think we heard a little bit about even at the federal level when, when they were talking about a discharge petition to discharge the budget um, when that was getting stuck a few weeks ago. Um, they were going to bring the discharge petition um, to this bill to get the bill out to the floor for a vote. And this committee chair just basically took our bill and gutted it and replaced it with something that you would not want discharged to the floor. It was a bill that would actually give the legislators even more control over drawing the maps. Well, I mean, it strikes me that there are these days there seem to be one or two legislators that hold hostage hold hold things hostage i'm thinking of tuberville with the um the appointment of uh military and ambassadorships and things like that i mean it just seems crazy was it has it always been this way that you know one or two legislators can can determine whether a bill gets brought to the floor or even heard Right. So I can't really speak to what goes on so much at the federal level. I think I'm, you know, I, I pay attention to the news, but that's that's about it. But at the state level, I know that they pass rules on the first day of the session. And typically the rules are, you know, typically the first day of the session, there's there's a lot of photo ops. It's a lot of, you know, the new reps they are excited to be there. Their families are there and they're basically given the rules and and the first vote that they take is often not even on the rules itself it's on a motion to that basically says we won't amend the rules so they can't change the rules that packet that they were just handed and these rules are you know generally 60 80 pages long it's it's quite a packet that they get and so you know like they, they all want to get to work so they all raise their hands and say, you know, I will, will, we won't amend it. And then they get the rules and they vote for the rules. And that those rules basically within those first two votes give the power that the rank and file legislators have away to the party leadership is essentially what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just totally grimacing. People can't see it, but I'm just like, I'm 63 years old. And, and the more I'm, I mean, <laughs> based on what's happened in the past eight years, I just, I can't believe how stymied we get at the legislative level. I mean, just by so few people or by the, like an expedient, you know, like, well, we want to get down to, to business, but it seems these expedient these expedients sometimes hog tie us in really unproductive ways. Right. And, and then it ends up not being expedient at all. I think, you know, in, in our own Pennsylvania legislature, expedient is not the word right now. I, I think, you know, they, they passed the budget, what, a month, almost two months late, and they still haven't passed all the code bills that they need to pass. Yeah. So, so they're not, you know, it, it, it's not, it can't even call be called expedient because they're so stuck that um, they're not voting on 
the bills that are their priorities or the priorities of citizens. So in in the absence of being able to convince the people that really hold power, those three positions at the top of the chamber there, is there a workaround that Fair Districts PA is, is looking at? Um, if you can't get a, a, the Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission in front of, you know, palatable to these the, these people, the speaker and the chair and all those folks? Well, right now we are solely fo focused on the Independent Commission and we are, you know, we look at it right now this way. The, the last set of maps, the, the maps that were drawn in 2021 were actually much, much better than the maps that were drawn in the previous cycle. And the reason that they were better was because Pennsylvanians were paying a lot of attention because Fair Districts PA and other organizations had been shining a very bright light on, on you know, on the process. And it, and it's hard to behave very badly when a bright light is shining on you. It's not oh, impossible. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's not impossible, but, it, but it's harder. <laughs> it, it's harder. And I think also we, um, when when the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which was controlled by, you know, which is and was controlled by Democrats, they chose a chairperson of the um, Legislative Reapportionment Commission that draws our state lines. They chose a chair who was admired by both sides of the aisle. Like the Supreme Court could have chosen a partisan hack to, um, you know, just gerrymander the gerrymander the line the out for of Democrats, right, for, for Democrats, because it was, you know, a Democratic court, but they did choose someone who was admired by both sides of the aisle, and that was really good, and Mark Nordenberg, that was a chair, he turned out to be an excellent, an excellent chair, and um, he didn't, um, he, he led the commission to basically fair maps, and as a result, we have a situation where voters get to choose the majority in the state house and the state senate for the next decade, okay? So that means that in 2031, we don't know who's going to be the majority party in Harrisburg. We don't know who's gonna be in the governor's mansion. We don't know who's gonna be controlling the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. Um, and we don't know all of those things because it's voters that are going to be picking the majority, not the map. But what we do know is that whoever happens to be in control in 2031, there is no, we have no legal protections to stop them from gerrymandering the maps going forward, from doing whatever they can to cement their majorities for the next decades by manipulating the maps again. So do these folks intentionally want to torpedo democracy? Um, and I don't mean to be, you know, flippant or anything like that, but it, this gentleman that you, whom you just referenced who was bipartisan and did a really great job with the redistricting back in 2021, there must be something that he valued about the democratic process that the rest of these folks don't see or don't appreciate, or they just, I don't get it, you know, like, again, and I'm looking at the big picture in terms of what's going on in Washington, D.C., what's going along around the world, um, where, you know, 
authoritarian, dictatorial kind of regimes are coming in that are contrary to the democratic process. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like at a micro level in Pennsylvania and other states in the United States, we're seeing this played out through gerrymandering and through other things. But, you know, it's like, it, this is not democratic. This is not the voice of the people. Right. What's going on? Well, I think um, Mark Nordenberg, who you referred, referred to as a chair, he wasn't a politician. He didn't have like he didn't have a direct conflict of interest drawing those lines. So it was probably easier for him, if you will, to say, we're going to be fair about this. Whereas if if we had because the other people on that commission were all politicians, right? I mean, they were the majority and the minority leaders of the Senate um, of the Senate and the House. And I think that, you know, if the third person was a partisan hack, then, you know, the lines would be gerrymandered to favor whoever was in the majority. So, you know, in, a, in that circumstance, yeah, we were, Pennsylvania was really lucky that that chair was someone who didn't have a direct conflict of interest yeah. in drawing the maps. We might not be so lucky again in 2031, because that's all just who the Supreme Court is going to pick. Yeah. So this uh, this upcoming election in November for Supreme Court, will that impact your work with Fair Districts PA? I mean, is that Supreme Court justice going to impact this in any way? Well, you know, the Supreme Court did, you know, in 2018, they basically redrew our congressional maps, right? And in the last cycle, when the um, when the governor and the legislators could not agree on a map, it was the Supreme Court who essentially chose the map. I mean, they asked for different groups to submit maps, and 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 the Supreme Court chose chose the chose the map. So, um, yeah, the Supreme Court plays a huge role right now in our map drawing process because since 2018 they've essentially been choosing or drawing our our congressional maps and and that's not a good thing right because they do it behind closed doors also they're not nobody they're not forced to do anything out in the open any more than the legislators are forced to do anything out in the open so it's it is um you know when when we are voting for for these judges, um, one of the reasons that so much money is being spent on these campaigns, yeah, I think what did they what did I hear like seventeen million dollars on yeah. on these judge races. I mean, one of the reasons that so much money is being spent, and one of the reasons that so much money was spent in twenty fifteen on you know on the court when they flipped the court was because the Supreme Court chooses the chair of the Legislative Reapportionment Commission. Uh -huh. So, you know, and so that was one of the reasons why when I first started with Fair Districts PA, I said, oh, this is a really easy, obvious fix. Because <laughs> at the time, the, the majority party in the House, in the Senate, were Republicans. So they were drawing and gerrymandering the congressional lines. And it was very clear that the Supreme Court was a Democratic Supreme Court so that they would be picking the chair to draw the legislative line. So I was like, okay, so... We're going to have Republican gerrymandered congressional lines. We're going to have Democratic gerrymandered 
you know, state legislative lines, like, okay, let's get rid of both of these scenarios and fix this. And I just thought it was such an easy, obvious thing to do, which is to take all the politicians out of the process. Um, our legislative leaders didn't agree. <laughs> so, you know, so here, here we are, but, you know, I, th I think by 2031, I have hopes that um, things will be different. So what's the call to action? If, um, you know, what would you like to say to people who are listening or, you know, people that you, um, that you're outreaching to, to do? You know? Right. So I, I guess the biggest call to action is that, you know, our bill will be introduced soon. And when our bill is introduced, we would encourage people to contact their legislators and say, get your name on this bill sponsor sponsor this bill and if your legislator is a person who sits on the state government committee you know even louder <laughs> you know say it even louder because that's the committee that the bill will you know that will be the first um the first hurdle that the bill has to you know get through is the you know is the state government committee so you know so a lot of this is just you know advocacy 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 and you know making sure that our legislators here in Montgomery County know that, you know, we expect to see their names on the bill and that we expect that when they have an opportunity, especially if they're on that state government committee, that they, you know, they still, they tell the state government committee chair, we want to be able to vote on this bill. Um, and then, you know, after that, when it gets to the floor that, you know, we want a floor vote. Is there anything else that you feel is really important to the discussion? I think it's what it's really important is to recognize that 2031 seems like it's a long time away, but it's not. In terms of getting a constitutional amendment passed, it's it's right around the corner. And we really have to start acting and advocating and building up support, like right now, <laughs> to get the Independent Citizens Commission through. Um, you know, you know, because just in terms of sessions, you know, like I said, I, if work backwards from 2030, that means they've got to be budgeting for it in 2029. And we, we're seeing how well these budget discussions go, right? right. So, you know, they, they've got to get it in the budget in 2029, which means that the voters will have needed to, it will have needed to been in front of the voters in 2028, which doesn't give us a whole lot of sessions to get this through the legislature. So, um, you know, so even though 2031 is a long way away, if we want to have the Independent Citizens Commission in place, um, the action needs to start now. And, and uh, you know, what we are hearing from, you know, from a lot of legislators is, oh, that's far, that's long way. You know, we're, that's not what we're focused on right now. Mm -hmm. Well, we got to get, we got to get our legislators focused on it and thinking about it wow. now before it's too late. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today on CK Unmuted to talk about uh, gerrymandering in Pennsylvania. And uh, I hope that the folks who are listening will read the blog post. And we will also put in some other information about Fair Districts PA. Thank you, Ruth, very much. Thank you for having me.